Find it in your Bibles, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, please. <clears throat> now this morning we'll be looking at chapters 11 and 12, but I want to use several verses out of chapter 11 for a springboard. And I apologize for my voice, and I'm going to do the best I can. Okay, I'm going to try not to be very loud. Uh, I can't be very loud, so I'm not going to be very loud today. Uh, but uh, I'm going to do the best I can with it. So look at uh, verse 7 of chapter 11. <clears throat> it says, Truly the light is sweet and a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, Yet let him remember the days of darkness, for there shall be many. All that cometh is vanity. Verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. Let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. And walk in the ways of thine heart, and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee unto judgment. Therefore remove sorrow from thy heart. Put away evil from thy flesh. For childhood and youth are vanity. Father, today, I pray you'd open our hearts and minds. I pray you give me the, the, the voice that I need to complete this, that you call to my mind what you showed me in study. And I pray that you would be glorified, that your word would go out, and I claim the promise that it does not return void. Bless this time together in Christ's name. Amen. Now I want to talk to you this morning <coughs> about lessons we learn in life. Life lessons, if you will. Now, I have shared some of these with you before. Uh, some life lessons that children have learned. Some of my favorites are this. Now, these are from kids. One little boy said uh, the lesson he learned in life was if your sister hits you, don't hit her back. Because I always catch the second person. Uh, another one was uh, one little boy said, lesson I learned is never let your dog guard your hamburger I thought that was pretty good uh, there was a third one uh, a little boy said I've learned no matter how hard you try you cannot baptize a cat so I thought that was that's one of my favorites by the way <clears throat> now folks I'm sure that uh, if we could go around this room and ask are there lessons that we have learned in life and all of us have certain lessons Amen? Things that only life could have taught us. That there's no way we could have learned without life intervening and teaching us. Uh, I read something one time that said, uh, all that I needed to learn, I learned in kindergarten. I thought, if that's true, then I need to go back and re-enroll in K through 4. Because a lot of the lessons didn't take the first time around. I missed a bunch of them. Because if they had of, then why is life still teaching me things that I should already know? For instance, I should be smart enough at my age now to know that when the tractor breaks down in the pasture, before you lay on your back to work on it, make sure there's not a fire ant nest down there. I should know that. When you're cutting brush... Don't hit the wall of the barn when there's a huge red wasp nest in the wall. They're antisocial. I should have known that. 
I, I, that lesson was driven home uh, several times the past week, I might add. But there are things in life, folks, that we continue to learn. My dad used to say this, Son, if you ever get to the place where you can't learn anything, they'll be throwing dirt in your face. Life can teach us each and every day. <clears throat> now Solomon, remember, he began his journey, his journal, here in Ecclesiastes about, what, eight weeks ago. And he said this, he said, all is vanity. Well, we're coming down to the end of his journey. And he's now saying the same thing at the conclusion. He says, vanity of vanity, all is vanity. Now, Solomon's taught us, folks, that life under the sun without God, that's life without God. Life under the sun, it's meaningless. Uh, it, it, it has no value to it. It's kind of like living on a treadmill. A lot of activity, but you don't go anywhere. Now, beginning in Ecclesiastes 11, Solomon shares a lasting lesson <clears throat> from life that he has learned. I believe these lessons we need to learn too. And I'm going to tell you right up front, folks, I'm getting weaker by the minute, so this is going to be a condensed sermon. Alright? So listen real quick and listen close. Three things Solomon tells us we need to learn. First of all, how to reason through life. In the first six verses, Solomon reminds us there's a lot of things we don't know. There's a lot of things about life, folks, that we cannot comprehend. Now, those matters that we don't know in life, they're constant. They never change. They're beyond our control. So what we do is we accept those things that we cannot control and we continue to move ahead. We continue to live our life the best way we can. Look at verse 1. Solomon says to reason through life, live with a diverse hand. It says, cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Now what Solomon is doing is sharing some business savvy. He's given us a condensed, uh, I guess you'd say crash course in financial management. Now Solomon was a very rich man. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in 1 Kings 9, Solomon had a navy of ships along the shore of the Red Sea. And those ships, in uh, 1 Corinthians 9 verse 10, it says those ships transported precious cargo. You know, so they would load those ships with grain, with uh, uh, gold, with all kinds of other cargo, uh, wood, stone. But the most precious commodity was grain. Now the reason I bring that up, folks, is because if you notice, he says, cast thy bread upon the water. That's what he's making a reference to. And notice verse 2. Give a portion to seven, and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil should be upon the earth. What he is saying is, you're casting your bread upon the water, he says, do it with a diverse hand. Load more than one boat with your grain. He says, give a portion to seven or a portion to eight because they were going to be gone for months. And then finally when those ships come back, the merchant would have his reward. But he says, don't put, we would say today, don't put all your eggs in one basket. That's what Solomon's saying. He's saying diversify. All right? Invest in multiple ventures rather than one. Now the next reason... The next thing he gives us to reason through life, he says, work with diligent heart. Look at verse 3 and 5. 3 through 5. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. If the trees shall fall toward the south or toward the north, and the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. 
And he that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit. I'm going to stop there on that verse. He's saying that we don't know several things. We don't know the way the wind's going to blow. We don't know where the storms are going to come. We don't know the works of God. Now look at verse 6. He says, In the morning sow thy seed, in the evening withhold not thy hand. For thou knowest not whether shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good and good. Solomon, understand, and if you study this book, he's not advocating laziness. He never does. Solomon is a fan of the working man. He says there are things in life we can't control. We cannot predict. And the wise thing to do is live with a wise hand and a wise heart. Diversify. That's the financial management he gives. The second thing is labor with a diligent heart. He says put you back to the task. Do the job in front of you. And he said keep moving forward. And that's really what Solomon's saying. Amid the uncertainties of life, he says just keep moving forward. Every day that God gives us, that ought to be a day, folks, where we continue to live and to labor and to love God with a diligent hand and a diligent heart. The second thing, he talks about when to rejoice in life. There was a poem written by Dr. Benjamin Mays. He was the president of Morehouse College years ago. Now, Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia, it used to be known as the Atlanta Baptist Theological Seminary. But this doctor, Dr. Mays, wrote this poem. Many of you have heard it. It says, Life is just a minute, only 60 seconds in it. Forced upon you, can't refuse it. Didn't seek it, didn't choose it. But it's up to you to use it. You must suffer if you lose it. Give account if you abuse it. Just a tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. Solomon concludes chapter 11 by reaching in the storehouse of wisdom that God has given him. And he tells us we ought to examine life thoughtfully in our latter years. Look at verse 7 and 8. It says, Truly the light is sweet, and a pleasant thing is for the eyes to behold the sun. But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they should be many. All that cometh is vanity. Now it seems like the point Solomon's making is, he says, don't get old and then look back over all the things of life that you missed out on, that you didn't see. He's saying, don't just live, don't just exist, rather, but live your life and live it on purpose. Think about this, folks. Every day that God graciously gives us is another opportunity for us to experience everything that God's provided for us, all the treasures that God's bestowed upon us. So he says, examine life thoroughly, especially in your latter years. Now look at the next thing. Verse 9 of this chapter, he says, enjoy life thoroughly in your first years. That's one of the golden keys of the book of Ecclesiastes to understanding it is the key of enjoyment in life. But Solomon says in verse 9, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. <clears throat> in other words, Solomon is saying that God gives the gift of youth. So rejoice in that gift. Enjoy that gift because the gift of youth is not going to last forever. It's a fleeting thing. Uh, young people are admonished 
here by Solomon. And when I say young people, let's be clear about this. I'm talking about anybody from about 35 years on down. Young people. You say, I don't feel young. If you're 35 years and younger, you're young. Just take out the heart, okay? Now, when I'm talking about young people, that's what I'm talking about. And Solomon, <clears throat> what he does is he admonishes young people. Make a good choice. Display good conduct. Possess good character. Because one day, according to verse 9, God is going to bring you into judgment. One day you're going to answer for the life that you live. So, a further word of advice. Look at verse 10. It says, Therefore, remove sorrow from thy heart. And put away evil from thy flesh for childhood and youth are a vanity. That word sorrow, folks, it's better translated vexation or pain or anxiety. In other words, what Solomon is saying is, now young people pay attention to me, the years of youth, he says they'll quickly pass so don't waste the opportunity to prepare for the future that's to come. And let me say another word to young folks. These are the best years of your life. Can I get an amen? Do we not have anybody over 50 in this crowd? These are the best years of your life, so make the most of them. And if you'll commit your mind, your soul, and your body to God, you'll avoid the destructive sins of the flesh. And I'll say this, you'll have a better chance for living a happy uh, contented life in your adult years than those who go out and sow wild oats and pray for crop failure. And I've said this to many young people, including all four of my daughters, more times than they can probably remember. But here's the fact. The decisions that you make right now in your youth will affect your life for many, many years to come. The friends you make, the places you go, the people you date, it'll shape your life for years and years. Spurgeon once said, youthful sins, they lay a foundation for age sorrows. Now I don't think I'm the only one here, but I'm going to say this. If you want to agree with me, fine. If not, then go ahead and lie to yourself. But uh, if I had it to do over, if I could go back, I'd give about anything I got to go back to my youthful years and change some things. Redo, undo, or do some things that I should have done right the first time. Because there are things I've done, decisions I made when I was younger that have affected me now that I'm older. Can I get a witness on that? Yeah. I think we all be there. So my advice is this. Enjoy your life but sow healthy seeds, not wild oats. Live a life that honors God, obeys God, and pleases God. It'll pay off one day. Now the third thing that Solomon <clears throat> tells us is, is what to remember about life. I was reading, I read a story the other day, I thought it was pretty good, I'll share it with you. There was a couple in Florida, they decided to get married. The, the groom-to-be was 93 years old. The bride-to-be was 91 years old, she was just a youngster. And uh, they were walking hand-in-hand hand down the street. They saw a pharmacy, a big pharmacy, so they walked in. The groom-to-be looked at the man behind the counter. He said, excuse me, son, do you sell heart medication in here? The pharmacist said, yes, sir, sure do. He said, well, we're going to get married. The pharmacist said, man, that's great. He said, I just want to make sure you sell heart medication. He said, well, do you sell medication for rheumatism, for arthritis, 
for things like that? The pharmacist said, well, yes, sir. We sell all that stuff. He said, so you sell medication for blood pressure uh, to help people sleep? Uh, maybe do you sell Geritol, Metamucil, things like that? Vitamins? Yes, sir. He said, well, do you sell walkers, canes, and wheelchairs? The pharmacist said, sir, we got them. All kinds, all speeds. The man said, man, that is great. Then I'll tell you what, we're going to use this place to register for our wedding. <laughs> That's not far from the truth, is it? I'm going to tell you some folks, whether you're ready to be hatched, matched, or dispatched, there are some lessons that life teaches us that we need to learn, and we need to remember, and we need to hold on to. First of all, Solomon talks about the shortness of life. He employs a lot of metaphors throughout the book of Ecclesiastes to talk about the shortness and the brevity of life. He talks about chasing the breeze. He talks about the laughter of fools. He talks about dust in the wind and forgotten memory. But here in chapter 11, verse 10, he says childhood and youth are vanity. That means it's passing. It's fleeting. You can't hold on to it. It doesn't last forever. Then I want you to look at chapter 12. Look at verses 3 through 6. He offers one of the most interesting, profound descriptions of age and death found anywhere in all of literature. Look at verse 3 of chapter 12. It says, In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble, and the strong men shall bow themselves, and the grinders cease because they are few, and those that look out of the windows be darkened, and the doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low, and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird, and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. Verse 5. Also when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fear shall be uh, in the way, and the almond trees shall flourish, and the grasshoppers shall be a burden, and desire shall fail, because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. Then verse 6. Or ever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. Now you say, what in the world is Solomon talking about? Well, folks, Bible scholars differ on the details, the interpretation of this passage, but most of them agree with this, that Solomon's painting a picture of a house that's falling apart, that's aging, and it's finally turning back to dust. And what Solomon is doing is using the illustration, the picture of that house, <coughs> and he's comparing it to the human body and to the aging process. Notice the imagery that he uses. He says the keepers of the house shall tremble. That speaks of arms becoming weak, hands becoming weak. Strong men shall bow themselves. That talks about backs and legs being weak. And then here's a good one. He talks about grinders being few. He's talking about teeth. That's what he's speaking of. Uh, then he says windows darken. That speaks of losing your vision. Daughters of music brought low. That describes voice that begins to weaken. And then the almond tree, this one you really got to study on, but the almond tree actually speaks of hair that's turning white. Then he says grasshopper, that he's talking about somebody just dragging themselves along. And then he says desire that shall fail. That's losing their appetite. Now think about this. All of these things, folks, 
are stages of aging, are they not? Well, look at the end of the results of all of it. Notice verse 7, what he says. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. In other words, let me tell you, Solomon simply reminded us that from the moment of our birth, we slowly but surely, folks, begin to grow old. Our bodies begin to deteriorate, and we begin to die. There's another important lesson. Not only that we need to learn and remember the shortness of life, but because life is short, we need to understand the seriousness of life. I want you to look at verse 1 of chapter 12. That's why Solomon says, Remember now thy, thy Creator in the days of thy youth. That word remember means pay attention. Uh, it signifies obedience too, okay? In other words, Solomon's not just advising that we think about God, but to turn to God in every area of life. In other words, Solomon's saying you need to commit your life to God. You need to love Him continuously, serve Him consistently, and obey Him completely. I'll say it again, the shortness of life. The fact that life is short. You say, well, my, my grandmother lived to be 90 or 100 years old. That's short to eternity. The fact that life is short ought to cause us to take it serious. And while Solomon, he says, why are you young? Now let me, let me paraphrase this because I don't have time to go into all of it. While you're young, before the house begins to fall apart, he said, commit your life to God and be obedient to God. Folks, think about it. Is that not one of the badges, one of the marks of a true Christian? Obedience to the Master? The day is going to come when our opportunity to serve Him, honor Him, and obey Him, they're going to be over. So while we have the opportunity, and I'm talking to all of us, you're not, if you're here listening to my voice today, you're not too old to serve God. Okay? Now I want that to sink in. You're not too, you say, well, i got gray hair. So do I. Kind of. I'm not going to go all the way and say I have gray hair yet, but it's working on it. I'll fight it to the end. Okay? Folks, every one of us in here right now, listen to me. You're not too old and you're not too young to serve the Lord. There's things you can be doing and you should be doing. Remember our Creator in the days of our youth. You remember that little poem? I've said it many times. Only one life to live will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Shortness of life, seriousness of life. Now look at chapter 12. Verse 9 and 10, he talks about the success of life. And Solomon, he, uh, he records a little bit of his own success here. Moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. Now verse 10. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. So Solomon, what he's saying is, he not only applied himself to learning, applied himself to wisdom, but also to teaching as well. He invested his years of wisdom in others that would follow after him. You know, I've always, my heart has always went out too, and my hat's always gone off to teachers. All kinds of teachers, whether school teachers, Sunday school teachers, whoever it may be, for instilling wisdom into others. That's what Solomon is talking about. And he, he makes sure that we understand that wisdom is not earthly resources he's talking about. It's heavenly riches. It's not worldly ways, but it's the wisdom of the Word of God. That's why I look at verse 12 of chapter 12. 
And further by these, my son, be admonished of making many books. There's no end and much study is awareness of the flesh. Now, there are some folks that translate that and say, well, Solomon's saying that he's condemning studying, learning, and reading. No, he's not. Uh, no, it's completely opposite because look at the explanation in verse 11. The words of the wise are goads and his nails fastened by the masters of assemblies which are given from one shepherd. In other words, Solomon is saying success in life only comes through godly wisdom and godly wisdom only comes from God himself. That's what Solomon, the point he's making. He's telling us you want to succeed in life, then you don't, don't need to go beyond or further than what's written in God's Word. The wisdom, folks, listen to me now, the wisdom we find in the Word of God, it's like goads and nails fashioned by the master's assembly, given by one shepherd. Understand, the one shepherd that you need in your life, the one master of assembly is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where wisdom begins. Somebody made the comment, said, you'll be five years from now, you'll be the same person you are right now with two exceptions. The books you read and the people you meet. Well, folks, it don't take anybody long to hang around me to know that I, I do love books and I love to read. Now, I'll be honest, I don't read near what I used to. For some reason, I just don't seem to find the time. Or maybe it's because I sit down in a chair and go to sleep instead of read. Maybe, maybe that's what anybody else relate to that. I just don't seem to find the time that I used to. But folks, I love to read. And, and in my, I don't know how many volumes of books I have in my library and on my computer. We've got a whole building full of books at the house. If you're at the picnic yesterday at my house, that little building on the back side of the garden looks like a garden shed. That's a book shed. It's filled with books. So I, I have no idea how many books I do have. But I want to make this very clear. No book should or could ever take the place of the book. That's what Solomon's reminding us. Other books, now think about this folks, other books are given for our information, but God's Word is given for revelation and for our transformation. Ruth Graham used to say this all the time, read, 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 but use the Bible as your home base. I agree with her wholeheartedly. Now, I want you to think about this. You remember when Joshua was preparing to take the reins to take over from Moses? Remember what God said to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8? He said, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, then thou shalt have good success. Do you realize that's the only time in all of Scripture that the word success is used? God was saying to Solomon, or to Joshua, and Solomon, by God's inspiration, is saying to us, if you want to succeed in life, then you have to follow the divine instruction manual. I mean, if you want to travel the right roads, you need the right road map. And that's God's word. That's the point Solomon is making. Now, I'm going to wind it up here. Years ago, well, it hadn't been that long, a few years ago, Christian booksellers and retailers, they come out with an outdoorsman Bible or an outdoor Bible. Anybody ever seen that? It's the New Testament, but it has the look and the feel of a, uh, of a road map or a trail map, you know, that guys that hike carry. It's waterproof. I mean, it's, it, it was made to withstand the elements. And one of the guys that designed it, 
He said, we, my partners and I, we love to fish and hunt and camp and hike and ski and all this stuff. And he said, we couldn't find a Bible that would stand up. Every traditional Bible we had, it would just fall apart on us. And he said, places we go, we don't take electronics. And electronics don't work. So we needed God's Word when we traveled. So they designed this outdoor Bible. And this is what Bobby Barden, he's one of the guys that designed it. He said, we wanted a lightweight, durable, compact, waterproof version. And he says, it's a perfect all-weather companion for missionaries, campers, boaters, hunters, sports teams, military, anyone else who spends their life outdoors. You know, D.L. Moody was famous for saying a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to somebody who isn't. And I agree with that. Life's full of different times of climates, types of climates, weather, storms, but God's given us a book that will meet, that will withstand the challenges that life throws our way. And I'm going to tell you, somebody said this, said, said life is like a school except sometimes you don't know what the lessons are until you fail the examination. But I'm going to tell you something real clear. Thank God that He has given us a book. We can sit down at the exam table of life and we can take an open book test. Amen? Those were my favorite in school. How about you? Open book test. We got the Word of God to reveal to us the person of God, the power, the, the plan of God in our lives. And I think that's probably one of the greatest lessons from life that we could ever learn. God's given us all the direction, all the instruction we need. Our problem is we don't want to follow it. And I'm going to close right here. I want you to remember, life is short, so live life to its fullest. Make the most of it each and every day. You say, well, preacher, I'm getting on up in years. You ain't dead yet. Make the most of life every day. Live to the fullest. Live your life in such a way so when those old years and those golden years come, you can look back and you don't have any regrets. You say, that's impossible. Not if you live according to the instructions, it's not. You know, the only regrets I got in my life is when I failed to follow the instructions. And I'm going to say this, if you're going to live a life according to the right instructions, number one, you better know the writer of the instructions. If you're going to have a great life in this life and in the next life, then friend, you better have a great Savior and you better follow His Word. You bow your heads, please. Brother Jim's going to lead us in a hymn of invitation. I'm inviting you this morning. If you need to make a decision for Christ, this is your opportunity. If you want to be obedient to God's will in your life, it starts at the cross by humbling yourself and being obedient and accepting the gift that He offers through Jesus Christ. If you've done that, but you're not living a life of uh, thoughtfulness, you're not living a life of joy, then there's a reason why, friend. And I would say it's because you're not following the directions and the instructions. I encourage you to humble yourself before God today. Say, God, right now from this moment on, I'm going to follow you. I want to live my life to the fullest and without regrets. And the only way I can do that is to follow you. 
Father, I pray for those that need to make a decision. They would have the courage to do so. In Christ's name, amen. You stand, please.